Jamie, thanks for joining. As we spoke about um, maybe getting together when you made your 100th appearance for Wraith Rovers, but we knew 500 was kind of on the horizon, and we thought, let's wait and, and make it a, a, a nice long piece. We are not only going to talk about your Rovers days, which are obviously of enormous significance and continued significance to, to our Rovers supporters, but we're going to look a wee bit broader across your career and your journey into goalkeeping. So, Firstly, congratulations. Thank you very much. And secondly, thanks for your time. You've—I um, don't know if I've got you away for training a wee bit early. There's football noises coming through outside the back there. So um, the joys. I'm a wee bit older now, so I can take a wee bit less time out in the training pitch. Look after right myself there. a wee bit more. Let's start with uh, a wee bit of your um, football and CV. Uh, 500 career games, as we know. In terms of Rovers, um, total appearances 104, 36 clean sheets. It's not bad. Happy I'll with that? that? I'm happy enough with that. And where that puts almost you? Almost one in three. So it's good, isn't it? That's, that's one in three is happy. generally what goalkeepers have said yeah, across the years. Yeah, that's what I've always. If I, I going into a season, I try and go for if I can get a third of games, a clean sheets. I think you're you've, you're having an alright season, and that's kind of the aim at the beginning of the season for me so that's that's good to know that happy with that especially as we head into contract negotiations <laughs> and let you to extend your stay yeah of course you know it's um, <laughs> obviously as you get older you kind of worry less about that and just enjoy it for what it is at the moment and yeah I just enjoy enjoy playing football I'm happy to give you some bargaining chips as well <laughs> I don't need a 10% or anything where do you stand in our um, all time appearance list um, there's a, a chronology that runs from Wraith Rovers first game 1883 all the way through and you can imagine how many thousands of players have wore the, the jerseys uh, you currently sit 162nd in the all time appearance list and um, 20th uh, in terms of our Wraith Rovers goalkeepers appearance list. So the fact that we've got 20 goalies in that 162 surprised me, but yeah. it shows that we've got a long, long run in affection for our goalkeepers Yeah, here. no, that's good. That's surprising, actually, like, to, to, to be in that number, to be honest, as you say, for the total history. So it's, um, no, it's pleasing and obviously, hopefully, hopefully many more to come. Absolutely. Let's start um, with your introduction to goalkeeping. Where did life between the, the sticks start? Um, from a, a local club, which well, I'm from Bathgate in West Lovian, and I actually played, I, I started outfield for the first couple of years, um, and it was more actually just playing down the park with my friends that I used to enjoy going in goals, and then one day I was like, I actually prefer going in goals, so I joined um, Blackburn United Boys Club at the time, when I was, I think, I was about 10 years old, so... It started from there and kind of hit it off pretty well um, straight away and, and kind of ended up getting picked up with St Johnson later that, that actual first season and, and men trained with them They're like on a Friday night through in Edinburgh at Meadowbank Stadium and you know that was it was kind of all just kicked off from there. Were you always going to be a goalkeeper? No, I, as I say I started off playing outfield and, and I still enjoy play, playing outfield as well, it wasn't like I was adamant and being a striker or being you know a goalkeeper or whatever I just I just enjoyed football um, to be honest with you um, as I say I, I think I enjoyed the diving about down at the park with my friends getting muddy and whatnot um, I think that was was always a, a positive for me and it was something I enjoyed and then I decided to take the goalkeeping further rather than than trying to pursue the, the outfield places. So there wasn't a moment where the clouds separated the light came down and uh he says, I am a goalie. Uh, no, not quite, not quite that. But um, yeah, as I say, it's something I've, I've enjoyed for, for 10 year old. And um, yeah, I, I'm kind of at that stage now. I've got well, I've got four kids, but I've got two young boys that play football now. And I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm telling them, don't be a goalie. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so I just, I think sometimes when you get to the professional game, it's probably the men the mental side of things like yeah it's tough being a goalkeeper you know i don't think people realize yeah you're, you're not involved as much so you need to kind of mentally be aware at all times and try and focus at all times knowing that you're not really going to be involved for large parts of the game um you're obviously closer to fans and the closer you're fans sometimes the more abuse you get so even that mental toughness and trying to drown everything out and and obviously the most obviously the one is you know you you, you can't hide your mistakes can you um, I think 99% of the time when you make a mistake it's a goal and you're going to be chastised for it and that, that's just the life of being a goalkeeper so I suppose it's trying to you feel like you're trying to protect your kids by telling them to do that it's not worked shall I let you know because <laughs> my eldest wants to be a goalkeeper so uh, my eldest son Noah, so we'll see how that goes. But um, nah, as long as they enjoy it, look, that's all that matters. As I say, I, I, I love football. I love being a goalkeeper, and 
you know, I think that first and foremost, that's the most important thing is, is doing something you love. You say love being a goalkeeper, um, we're just chatting in the back of our um, draw against Air United, saved a penalty there and you, you got your interview in full kit and gloves on the BBC and there was a lovely Twitter post, um, one of the local songwriters, David Lattle, had written, uh, his post was along the lines of, I like to think of Jamie McDonald always being in full kit, just in case <laughs> there's ever the need for a save breaks out. Are you driving the kids to school in your uh, a Perry Bahalt uh, goalie? I, I, I think um, the, the, my, my good friend as well, who, who runs Bihalt, uh, Ke Kevin McLeod, he, um, I think he would like that as well. <laughs> uh, you know, we always joke about when we do interviews and things it's like make sure you, you keep the gloves on and, and get the gloves in so we, there is a standing joke there between us that we do that so that is part of the reason why I have them on um, I'm sure he'd love to see me driving about the car dropping the kids off to school in the gloves but unfortunately no it's um, it's reserved for training and match days only. Growing up as a kid um, watching football you know we often expect that folks will support the team that's on their doorstep etc but your um, your interest in football is a wee bit Wider versed, based, I guess, on your your kind of goalkeeping hero. Yeah, um, when I was younger, you know, the the thing that was most accessible with me was was football Italia, um, probably for a lot of nineties children um, growing up in the nineties. Sorry, was that was what was on? You had your highlights program on a Saturday, and you always had a live game on a Sunday afternoon. So um, for me, you know, that was what was most accessible. So I, I love watching Italian football, and at that time as well, Italian football was probably the the best league in the world um, obviously now you've got the English Premier League Spanish League like you but at that time though there were so many good clubs um, and all the best players were going to Italy um, and I loved you know Gianluca Pagliuca was you know he was one of my introductions um, to goalkeeping he was an excellent goalkeeper also to be honest back home like, I, I loved Andy Gorham as well um, and then as I grew up it became Iker Casillas I always kind of like goalkeepers who I could look to who were kind of similar in stature to myself. You know, they weren't the biggest. They were, you know, they were up there, like six foot, six foot one. I think Gore might have been five eleven or whatever, maybe even smaller. But um, I kind of looked up to them because you could base your game in them more. You know, rather than you know, again, I love like obviously recently like your Buffons and Neuers and things like they're unbelievable goalkeepers. But I found it harder to associate with them mm. because they're, they're obviously a completely different style to me as, as wonderful as they are so I've always preferred or always looked to the goalkeepers who I felt were similar in stature. Have you felt you've had to work a bit harder? Uh, not work a bit harder, I think that's unfair to say you you just you learn to to play the game differently I suppose you know I've had to rely probably more on footwork, agility um, reactions you know that I'd say probably be the strengths of my game maybe my, the weaknesses you know are, are cross balls and things like that um, you know it's not um, you, you can't rely on your reach for things you have to always work your feet and to try and get in a position for saves where obviously if you're six foot five you can rely a lot more on on just your reach you might not need to move as much you can rely on using your framework and things so it's just different different ways of of goalkeeping um, and you, you just learn differently I think when you look at the modern day goalkeepers they're they're all six foot four six foot five and can move their feet and you know <laughs> that so that's why they're they're probably so good now uh, as well like they've they're kind of hybrid models now almost yeah, let's um, come to your senior career. I read some interesting stories about your your debut and the length of time you wait for that and the kind of false start. How did it feel to finally get the gloves on and walk over the white line? Tell us the, the, the story behind that. Um, my debut, my first uh, professional appearance was Queen of South, Epartic Thistle. So I was, what, well, I think I was just coming up for 21, so I was 20, I think. I was 21 in April, so the, my debut was in January um, so it was my first loan spell I'd been at Harps for since I was six, well, 14, 16 full time I'd patiently waited played under 19s going through playing reserve games being in first team squads never make my debut at Harps and probably had about two years where I'd promised that I would get out on loan but and because we always had plenty of goalkeepers that would come in obviously at that time at Harps with Romanoff it was there was a lot of players that were, were in and out um, so there was a few opportunities I had, but never ever quite materialised for one reason or another, whether it be an injury or the goalkeepers they did bring in not doing so well, which happened on a few occasions. Um, so I ended up always having to kind of stay as a backup, but I finally got the opportunity, as I say, um, 
when I was 20. So it was, it was a long time coming for me, I felt, because, you know, I'd been promised it like 18 months, two years prior. Um, so it was great, you know, it was, you know, it's so different playing under 19 football and even reserve football, which I, which I think's missed now right enough because you still had the opportunity to play against first team players at that stage. Um, but no, nah, it was it was great to, to play in a first team environment, front of a crowd, where it meant something, you know, yeah. uh, when I went to Queen's, I think we were bottom of the table at that point. And they had they had done a lot of business in the January, to be fair to them, to obviously try and stay in the league. But, you know, you, you see what it means to them, like they're maybe not getting a lot of money. You know, myself wasn't earning much then, and then all of a sudden you're, you're earning maybe a, a week's wage by getting a win bonus or whatever. And it's, it's a massive difference. Um, and you're playing for for that and and for crowds and things like that. So it's yeah, it's a, it's, it's a big change in your culture and 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 the way you look at football, I suppose. Your time at uh, Queen's seems to be something that's looked back incredibly fondly by uh, Queen of South supporters. Uh, you know, following around with ATV, I've seen you go back to all of your um, previous clubs um, in your Wraith Rovers capacity. But the depth of uh, warmth that, that you received there really kind of caught my attention. Yeah, uh, you know, I loved it there. Um, <coughs> it was a good 18 months. Obviously, I had that six-month loan spell at the end of that season where we managed to stay up, I think. Um, I think we got to a quarter-final, got beat by Hibs in the quarter-final of the Scottish Cup um, and finished, as I say, the season pretty well and then went back the following season and, you know, I think for Queen's, we obviously got to the Scottish Cup final um, as a result of that, unfortunately, just narrowly lost out to Rangers. Um, but you know it was a, it was still a fantastic day and fantastic achievement for the club. You know I think it was the first time in their history and still the only time in their history that the, they've been to the Scottish Cup final. So you know it was it, as much as we didn't win it, it was it was great. It's even the following day, the, the fans you know lined the streets in Dumfries and we still done like a mini bus tour and things, and they came to the stadium to welcome us back. So it was you know as much as we didn't win it, it was it was almost like we yeah. we did if you know what I mean. And you know I think the the fans appreciated that and you know the players equally an incredible journey I mean the semi-final stands out I was here at Starts Park um, kind of trying to catch it before our game and it was yeah. remarkable I think highest scoring cup semi-final yeah, 4-3 against Aberdeen it was, it was a mad one I think it was one each at half time and then it was like six goals in the first 15 minutes of the second half and it was it was just madness to be honest it was like a basketball game <laughs> it just the first half was was probably a cagey affair a goal go a piece but not really too much happening then obviously the second half just kind of blew up and you know the fact that we held on as well um you know it was a, that was you know i love me forevermore it was a great day um, and you know for me as well it was my my first taste of a proper big game, Huge game. um you know what it really meant to get obviously get to a cup final. I, I was very fortunate i, I was part of a squad the hearts when they won the 2006 cup was a third choice then you travel so you see it so you get to experience it but it's a different experience traveling as a third choice and you know go, just kind of going along for the ride just um, you still feel like an outsider looking in where you actually be a proper part of a, the team um, to actually get to a cup final you know was was great and especially so early really uh, uh, you know I'm 20 coming up for well, I was probably about 22 at this point but you know it's early for a goalkeeper so to come so early in my career career sorry was um was was great and it's probably held me in good stead for the rest of it scottish cup's kind of been a a, a kind of touchstone across your career isn't it as you go back to over the highs and the lows yeah it's um, probably the highest point in my career and also one of the lowest points in my career but that that's football that's mm. the way it goes you know I, I say that to everybody i'm very fortunate to have played in i think five cup finals now with obviously the challenge cup last year um so you know i'm, I'm very lucky that i've I've managed to do that you know there's a lot of there'd be a lot better players than me in their career that probably haven't been involved in one or not won one so you know I, I don't take it for granted and you know I just appreciate it or sorry enjoy the fact that you know and very thankful for the fact that I've I've managed to play um, in three Scottish Cup finals a League Cup and a, a Challenge Cup now. I'm going to ask you um, a question as we move to your time at Hearts. It's pro probably one that Hearts fans will be kind of zooming along and either getting a comfort blanket or a, a bit of popcorn. That time that you were you were um, you were there through the Romanov era, it, from the outside as we looked on, it was as interesting as it was utterly bewildering. What what was that like, and what are what are the kind of lasting memories you've got of it? Um, you know, it's, uh, as you say, it was a pretty mad time um, being at Hearts at that, that era. Um, for me, it probably, 
probably didn't affect me <coughs> as much as it probably did others, to be honest, um, because at that point I, I wasn't really playing. I, I was obviously out alone to Queen of the South. I missed a lot then. Um, I then came back from my loan spell and obviously kind of got promised like I, signed, I ended up signing a three-year deal at Hearts, which I wasn't too sure about because I hadn't been given an opportunity right, and I'd been promised stuff in the past. And I thought, by this time, obviously, Craig Gordon had been, was away and things. Um, so I thought, you know, there could be an opportunity here. And again, it was almost like a slow burner for me as well, like getting in. I, I played a few. It was, I spent about two years kind of in and out of the team, not playing, playing some games, not playing others. And we, we chopped and changed a lot with the goalkeepers, but I always felt I never really got a, a proper run at it. Um, and it took a, a, a good little while, obviously, to officially properly break into the team and, and be the number one. But um, I suppose that just summed up the whole Romanov era. You know, as I say, there's probably a lot of worse stories with other people that had more dealings with Romanov. Myself, personally, didn't really, you know, I probably wasn't that when he was there at that higher level until the end where he really focused on you. So I was, as I say, I was probably more in the, the background of it all rather than, than being, the, you know, the main storylines of a lot of the It does seem a kind of, a, a kind of style of employment that I would imagine couldn't be further away from, from what you would respond to. Yeah, yeah, do you know, it was just, there was a spell, you know, I think we had like 80 players in the books. Um, you know, we had like a, a first team squad of 30, we had a, a reserve team squad of 30, and then you had another 20 you know, under nineteens and it was just it was just madness to be honest. And um you know, there was there was there was a lot of good players there as well. You know, you, you could argue that he did a lot for Hearts, but obviously the way it turned out it ended in a bit of a nightmare for the club and, and you know, a lot of the people involved and it, it's good to see that, you know, the club now are, are thriving again. Um and it's a club that'll always be close to my heart as well because, you know, I was there from fourteen years old, I think, until I I was released, you know, at twenty seven or whatever it was. So it was a it was a long time being part of that. Um, you know, plenty of highs and lows there, but it was um, yeah, it was a big part of my life. Um, you know, for long enough. I remember probably what sums it up for me as a non Hearts supporter is um, you know back probably about fifteen years ago we were doing a, a Rovers podcast and uh, John McGlynn was uh, on one of our kind of hour long specials and he was telling us about how he ended up going from the the training pitch to. To Vladimir's yacht, and one of the, one of the lads that we were doing it with, kind of summed it up and says, "It sounds like um, Monte Carlo to Monte Python." Yeah. And John kind of says, "That's, That's pretty that. decent. <laughs> That's pretty close." Yeah, I remember that. I think it was after the 2006, the, the first team squad all went for pre-season. They got a wee Brucey bonus, and I think in Monte Carlo, as you say, for for a week before we went to Austria, I didn't get to go to Monte Carlo at, at that point, but um, I, I was very fortunate. I got to go to Austria. And do all the hard work um, in the pre-season camp, and it's, again, even there, it's like you know, Romanov would turn up at training and what hit penalties into the goalies and things like you're trying, you're trying to prepare like pre-season, working hard, and the next thing he's coming over with his boots on what hit penalties for five ten minutes in the middle of training, and it, that's sensational. It, you know, it, it was just one of these weird and wonderful things that we do at times, um, and it's it was also one of the ones you like. Do you save it or do you know? Eh? So, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do you save it and think oh I'm no stand up to him or do you let it in to get in his good side so, I, I think at the start where I used to let them in but I think as time <laughs> went on I, I, I decided to stand up for myself a wee bit and make sure he didn't score it's but. probably some kind of psychological test <laughs> yeah, that yeah, probably exactly. runs parallel to what games you were getting to play in, in <laughs> yeah, exactly we, we've always got to ground everything we do in Wraith Rovers and um, you know we're a tight knit bunch here from our volunteers through to your first team um, but I really must insist that if our owner turns up and insists on taking penalties into you you are going to text me aren't you I will be here in a heartbeat I'd, with I'd the camera I'd love to see it maybe the next time John Back over, you know, we can we could maybe set that up and see maybe how that's we go. <laughs> challenge, isn't it? Let's talk about um, the national team. We'll, we'll come back to, to some of your big moments, um, you know, in terms of play for Hearts as well. But let's talk about the national team. Ten uh, under twenty one call ups. Um, what were the key moments for yourself uh, and amongst your under twenty one games? Um, you know, it was something that was you, 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 oh, you know, it's an honour to play with your country, any age group, any level. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to be called up to what uh, an under 21 campaign um, and it, it coincided with me roughly the same time when I, I started playing at Queen of the South so it was it was good timing um, 
for me it was me, Andy McNeil and boy called Chris Smith who was at St Mirren at the time playing um, and I actually went in probably not as the first choice the way it worked out was I, it, again it just shows you how football works you know the, my first my debut was actually a friendly against Germany and Andy McNeil played the first half and I played the second half and I, I had a blinder you know it was just one of the days where you know I, had, I only played obviously a half but we got beat 2-0 that night um, and Andy kind of made a mistake for the first goal and then the second half I came on and like, they were changing the team regardless but like I, it was just one of the days where you know you there's five or six good saves in it and you know it set me off well but again by the time we got to the competitive games it was actually Chris Smith because he was playing with St Mirren time and I think they were potentially in the Premier League at that point so he was actually number one he was the one getting the nod I think it was Czech Republic um, we were playing and he actually fell ill or he, he, no, I think he got an injury in training the day before so I got my break kind of through that um, and, I, and then I ended up playing the rest of the ca like the whole campaign. I got in. I think we won one nothing that night against a, a decent Czech I'm sure team. I'm sure it was at Falkirk Stadium. Well, that that was one of the things that really surprised me as I'm looking through the stats because I thought, I wonder what stadiums James played. At. I wonder if it's where, where you played abroad with the under twenty ones, with big stadiums and stuff. And uh, I saw that your, your the under twenty one debut was at Grangemouth High Astro Pitch. According nah, to the SFA. Nah, it wasn't that. Definitely wasn't that. Please tell me they've got something wrong and I can that, go back that, to that. That is, that is definitely not right. No, the 31s. The 21s, the debut was at Broadwood against Germany. Because um, that was literally like about two weeks after I'd went and loaned to Queen of the South that game. Because that was like fe around about middle of February. And then, as I say, the Czech, yeah, I'm positive it was at Falkirk Stadium. Maybe not, that was a while ago now. There may be uh, officers in the background uh, taking notes. They'll <laughs> be firing an email away, we love to have one up. Yeah, but as I say, so the the rest, I ended up playing the whole of the campaign um, and we just missed out. We, we had to go to Denmark to play and it was, um, I think it was Aura Stadium. That was a lovely, lovely big stadium. Um, we got beat 1-0 but I think we had to win that day to kind of get through and it was you know it was a great Scot Scotland team as well you know it was like the front three was Stephen A. Smith, Stephen Fletcher, Ross McCormick you know and you know the team was littered with other you know great players that you know there wasn't many of them that have probably not had a career yeah, I think. I was, uh, I was really struck by the number of players. Yeah, yeah Louis Stevenson, things like Lee Wallace, um, Paul Dix, Gary Kenneth at the point obviously um, he played Scott Cuthbert, I'm trying to think, go through them all. Kevin McDonald yeah, as well. A few Rovers connections in there as well. Um, I was just kind of looking through the name. You mentioned Andy McNeil, who played for Rovers, Ryan Conroy, Callum Ryan Conroy, Callum, yeah. You mentioned um, Stevenson, who's a Kirkcaldy lad. Yeah, yeah it, was, you know, it was a lot, a lot of good players, and we were unfortunate, kind of, we just, as I say, we just kind of fell at the last hurdle, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that's, but that was, that was you know, great to, to obviously be involved in. Um, as I say, it, and it probably done a lot for my confidence because you know I've, I just had went out and got in playing first team football, Queen of South at Championship level, and then you know a few weeks later the Scotland Twitter ones call up happened, and as I say, and then the way it's all worked out and, and getting to play a full campaign um, for your national team at under twenty one level, you know it was great. And there was a bridge to the, the senior team. You're telling us as we're setting up something I didn't know is that if you're not on the pitch, you don't get a cap, but you get a. a yeah, go with it. yeah. So I, a couple of times around about that time, you know, I'd been trained with the first team. You know, just as a, just sometimes if they're needing um, a goalkeeper training, mm -hmm. like if when they turn up to camps, if boys had games on Sundays or Mondays or whatever, before they'd been, uh, before they met with the first team. So there's a couple of times getting to train. So even that was, you know, a couple of great experiences. But then, obviously, much later when I was at Kilmarnock, I, I got an official, my first official and only call up. You know, which was great um, to be involved in and. Again, the way the games worked out, I think that was the the Nation League qualifiers, which they beat Israel three. I think it was four 0 in Albania. We won, and then three two in Israel, which turned them through to the the playoffs, which we obviously ended up winning and, and and getting to the Euros. So it was it was nice to be part of. Yeah, and it was um, you don't yeah as you say you don't officially get capped unless you make an appearance. But you know I've got my pendants at home um, and my, my my jerseys as well. So you know, it was it was a great experience, and, and obviously you're you're getting to rub shoulders with the, the best in the country. You know, like your Andy Robertsons, John McGinns, and things like that. So, you know, again, it was it was another good experience, and um, you know, it was it was nice that I've, I've had a call up as well in my career. Tell us about the best and the worst bits of being a goalie. I was really stuck earlier when you were saying about 
you know, the stuff that you get um, verbally thrown at you for behind the goals, and, and there's the other side that you're the first point of contact when you know when we put one in the top corner for 30 yards and stuff. What, what's that like? Um, you know, sometimes it can be difficult. It can be a very lonely place being a goalkeeper um, because obviously, as I say, there's all probably 90% of the games away for you or even when it's your half you're maybe not actually physically doing anything so there's that aspect to it there's as you say there's the there's the abuse side of it but see to be honest it's something I've actually embraced and enjoyed and I like, I like having a bit of banter with away fans and things like that at times as well you know I think it's as long as it's all taken in the way it should be it can be good fun um, Sometimes it's actually more difficult when it's your own fans, yeah. like when things aren't going well and you know you've got your own fans maybe having a go at you. That's that can be actually really difficult. That's probably more difficult than away fans having a go at you because you know they're that's that's going to happen regardless. But there has been times when things aren't going well for the team you're actually playing for, and your own fans start getting on your back and you know you there's there's not really much you can say or do and you know it's, you just have to kind of try and block it out and go on with it you know and we know like, it's like everybody we all get frustrated um, myself included you know when things aren't going well but sometimes you just have to stick with it and you know hopefully you can get through it. Are there times when you've uh, not met your own standards in dealing with it and is there times when you've uh, you've particularly left the game thinking that was all good crack? Yeah, yeah probably more when you're younger I think when you're younger, it's like anything. You learn to build up a tolerance, or a, you know, when you're younger, you do probably let things affect you a little bit more. Um, you react more. You know, I remember probably a couple of times at Hearts when I first broke into the team, and um, again things maybe weren't quite happening for me on the pitch, and your own fans are sometimes saying things, and you know, I've, I've reacted and back sometimes, and got in a spat with a fan which you know doesn't help anybody it doesn't look good in yourself it doesn't look good in the club in a whole but you learn to deal with that and that's I suppose that's part of the the learning curve um, as well as just and also just growing up and maturing as a person um, it's probably like that in any walk of life you know you you learn to to control your emotions more and and deal with things and you know and then, and then there's other times where as I say you have a bit of banter with the fans as well which I think again they can appreciate it's not that you're not concentrating the game you pick and choose when to do it you know you, you're not sitting doing it when the ball's in play and you're sitting chatting away you know you wait for a stoppage in play and you maybe have a bit of banter and as I say as long as it's all taken in the right way then you know it makes it fun as I say I play football because I enjoy it and you know it, probably more so now than ever it, you know it's more of a business for a lot of people now, when you look at it, uh, you know, people look at it to go and like, I think people go into football now to make money rather than actually the just the fun and enjoyment of it. You know, I think that's been lost a little bit. Um, so for me, uh, you know, that is for me, uh, that's what I love. I still love it and I do enjoy it and I still find it fun at times. Tell me about the wider life as a, as a football player, you know, and, and the work that we've done over the over the years and decades. We, we, we see that the, the, the kind of glamour of underneath the floodlights on a Friday night and you know the South Stand are, are saying you don't have to scratch very deep to see how challenging a life he's actually lead in terms of short term contracts, injuries, maintaining focus, form issues, competition, everybody wants those gloves, that jersey. Um, tell us about how you just keep going and maintain your positivity. I think, yeah, as I say, I think the, the love of the game is the biggest thing. Um, the other thing is, I, I suppose over the years as well, you know, the Premier League is well documented and the amount of money that goes into the English Premier League and that's what everybody sees and I think everybody thinks that's football, that's actually not football, that's probably 1% of football, the other 99% is everybody else. You know, you, you can earn a good living regardless, like for what you do, like at the end of the day, it's, as I say, it's a dream to play foot, to be a football player, you know, I, I don't been very fortunate to do this um, my whole working career so far um, but it's also not as glamorous as what it's always made out to be as you say you know there's a lot there still is a lot of sacrifice um, you know I it's great you train in the morning you do maybe a bit of gym in the afternoon you're home early whatever that's great but you know the amount of things that you like your weekends you give up um, the social aspects you know you're you don't have much of a social life um, with your, your friends and family, you know, it's difficult, like the amount of weddings I've missed and stag do's and things like with, with friends because football, you know, obviously comes first. 
Um, and people don't say even even things now with myself being a family man, you know, like things with the children. It was great. The last two Friday games have been excellent for me. I've had the weekends. I've managed to take my son to his football on a Saturday and a Sunday, um, which you don't always have the opportunity to do that. So it's it's nice being able to to just just be there as a dad first and foremost. Um, you know, instead of relying on other people helping you out all the time, and where you can actually help out. So there's 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 little bits and bobs uh, that you kind of you take for granted, um, and then there's other parts you obviously appreciate that. You know, it's as a good life overall. Tell me about some of the people who've been key to uh, your success, both um, out with the game and inside the game. Um, I mean, one that obviously kind of caught my attention, or all of our attention, really recently was Billy Thompson passing away. Um, I think would have been a key figure. Um, you know, who is it that has got you to where you are, and who keeps motivating you? I was watching you out there, and Robbie doesn't go easy on you and Andy either. So, get, tell us a wee bit about some of the folks that are so key. Do you know what? Everybody you kind of come across in football's obviously um, probably been, you know, a help in one way or another. Um, I think that's the beauty of football. You meet so many, many different people, different thoughts, different ways of thinking, and you know, some work for you, some don't. Um, you obviously. You talk about Billy, you know, I had a great five years at Kilmarnock and with Billy and he, you know, he's a he's a great man, um, and he'll be sorely missed. But he was he was somebody I could really really go on with because probably very similar characters. He wasn't he, he was quite a quiet man, said his piece when he said you know, when he said it, you listened. Um he wouldn't like be talk often liked a about a lot, didn't take life too seriously. Um, not that it wasn't professional, but you know, I, I think I'm, I'm a bit like that myself. I try not to be too serious all the time because, again, I go back to the enjoyment of football, and I think you you can lose that sometimes by being too kindy involved in it. And then again, it's not that you're not being professional. It's just sometimes you have to just take it for what it is and 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 enjoy it for what it is. And you know, Billy was definitely that kind of character as well. And. Um, and then you go back to younger days, you know, worked with a lot of people like Peter Latchford, Jim Stewart, things like that, Hearts, you know, they were kind of first experience goal coaches at, um, at Hearts, you know, how you had good good footballing careers yourself, um, obviously getting to work alongside great goalkeepers, and um, obviously my, I've, I still speak to him now, big Craig Gordon, you know, who's, you know, when I was younger and coming into Hearts, he was a young boy who just broke in the team of cell and watching him and I suppose idolising him a little um, and want to try and follow in his footsteps as well, um, and you know just just people like that you come across throughout the years and uh, you know it's as I say even manage different different managers like we go back to even John McGlynn you know a big reason why I'm here is John McGlynn, um, you know he was my youth coach at Hearts and you know I've got a lot of time for John you know he's a good man um, a, a great football coach as well and. You know he is well. He is probably the reason why I'm here. You know, it wasn't something I don't mean. I wasn't something I was over concerned. But when I spoke to John, you know, he, it was a, a large part of coming here was him. And you know, I'm very thankful and grateful for that. Um, you know, and, and I've loved my time here. So you know, you you meet a lot of people in football who all um, kind of help you in different ways. As I say, I think the fact that I've worked with so many different managers, coaches over the years, it, it does, it just gives you a broader horizon of football, that it's not all this way or that way, you need to adapt. I think um, that's the, the thing with not just football, probably life, you need to adapt to the situations you're, you're in. Um, and then from a personal point of view, you've obviously, you know, my mum and dad have always, have, have always been there for me. Um, even when you go back to the stage I'm at now, when one kids is driving about here, there, everywhere, taking them to games, you know, you, you don't appreciate that when you're younger. Huge. And I suppose everybody's probably in the same boat. You don't appreciate these things because you don't think about it, and it's not until you get older. Um, and then obviously my wife has been a massive support, and you know she's been there majority of my career now, and um, you know she's she's a very positive person as well. And sometimes you're down, she she'll lift you back up and. And vice versa. So yeah, you know, I've got a good, I've got a good base at home um, from that, and you know that also helps. It's great to see them all here on Friday night, and then um, they got to see you saving a penalty. Yeah. Maybe know the penalty that's going to grab the attention when people look back <laughs> in your career, as I do here. Uh, although your career's got a long way to go, still um, the standout penalty save, uh, Harry Kane. He, he was all right, but 
did it get better to you? No, uh, from the spot. <laughs> it's it's one of the ones uh, like I keep saying it's it's now it's a much better. Well, didn't wrong, it was it was great at the time because it was it was against Tottenham Hotspur, eh, Hotspur sorry, down at White Hart Lane. So you know that that was brilliant. Um, it was his debut that night, so it wasn't as quite <laughs> as good as it is probably now. The stats obviously got a lot better for me um, <laughs> over the years than than it was at the time. But no, nah, it was you know it was a great. Um, it was a great night, you know, at that point, I was, I'll go back to the Harps days, um, I wasn't really playing at that point and fair play to Paul Sergio had gave the boys that, obviously the Tottenham came and hammered us 5 nothing or something at, at Tyne Castle, so we decided to give the boys on the fringes a, a game and, you know, we went down now now still against a very good Tottenham side, maybe not as strong as, you know, your Gareth Bales and Defoe's in the first leg, but it was still a good side and um, it was a great experience for all of us. And obviously for myself, um, and you know, the, the thing I took for that game that year was it wasn't the penalty. It was actually we were the only away team to keep a clean sheet at White Hart Lane that season. So that was my favourite start for that. Now it's now I tell folk I've saved Harry Kane's penalty rather than that now. Though right enough, but, um, yeah, that was you know a big a big moment in my career because um, it was, was only a few months later I actually finally made the number one jersey my own. And you've done a great job of steering me away from actually considering how the actual penalty came about, but we'll, 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 we'll let that one rest. I'm just thankful I never got red carded. <laughs> what about, um, you know, as a non-heart supporter, but, you know, some that love Scottish football, we watch all these European games and you want to see teams do really well. Uh, the game at Anfield just was quite a remarkable watch and, and all but for the last couple of minutes would have been something even more special uh, you know as I say obviously perhaps fans but more so um, for the whole of Scotland John McGlynn um, doing his stuff there I look back at that Liverpool team uh, just last night it's ridiculous that was, that was good because we we'd obviously played them the first leg at Tyne Castle we got beat just Nala got beat 1-0 um, I think it was our own goal as well my daughter was actually born, my first was born the night before and was actually panicking that was going to miss it and John, I remember John phoned me, he was like, everything going to be alright and I was like, it's alright, the baby's been born, thankfully, the day before, um, so I never had much sleep and I'm sure my my pre-match was a pot noodle and a banana because <laughs> I came straight for the hospital, straight home for a quick pot noodle and then straight to Tynecastle. But I think Liverpool that night, they didn't play maybe as strong a squad as they could, I think they thought they were going to they still had like Rayner played, Charlie Adam had just went there, was playing and things like that. Um, but I think they thought they were going to come and kind of turn us over. And they, obviously they struggled, and it was it was a kind of like 70th minute own goal that, that won it for them. So when we got to the second leg, I think they, they, they appreciated what we did in the first leg and played a much stronger squad you know it's like a, Steven Gerrard Luis Suarez Skerto and all that played the second leg and yeah Gerrard Sterling Henderson Sterling yeah exactly so it was it was um, yeah I think we we obviously we gave them a bit of a fright in the first leg that they decided but you know we played brilliant you know we, we went down there with a game plan and you know we were I think four minutes away from properly executing it and taking the tie into a extra time but you know it was still a a fantastic achievement and a fantastic night. Um, obviously, Anfield's one of the, you know, it was one for the bucket list. You know, if you go, what one of the stadiums you'd love to play it. You know, Anfield was definitely up there. Um, you know, and there's a there's a nice thing the the cop end doing. So it was before the game. Craig Gordon was he played at Sunderland, obviously, at that point, and he was saying when you go in front of the cop end, he was like, clap them. And I'm like, hey, very good. I was like, I'm not going to. I was like, don't cut him. He says, and he said, I'm, he said, I'm being deadly serious. He says, it's a, it's like a thing they do with goal, uh, away team goalkeepers. You go, you, you applaud them. He says they'll applaud you back. And I'm like, very good. So first half goes by, you get to the second half, and I'm running up, and I'm like, I need to do this, and I'm like, right. So I just start, and then so I started just like that, a bit shyly, and next thing you know, the whole cop ended up on their feet, and they're applauding you, and it was, you know, it's. What an experience! Um, I don't know why they do it, but you know it's such a you know a very respectful thing, and and you know it was it was lovely. It was really a nice thing to, to obviously to happen, and 
as I say, going one up as well, and the Hearts fans, you know, it was it was great, and it was it was a great experience. Thanks for sharing that. That's one of these things that I've heard kind of through the ages, and, and I wondered if it was about a kind of football and myth yeah. that that maybe Liverpool fans put out there because no, we all no, like taking is, a gilded lily. But that's lovely. Here. Yeah, and even even at the end of the game as well. Do you know what? Fair play to the Liverpool fans. Uh, they kind of they all kind of stayed at the end of the game, and actually. Well, majority of them did, and you know they clapped the the full team off, which again was was a nice touching gesture. You know, I think they appreciated what we put into both legs. Um, you know, the disparity in finances and things like that, especially at that time, you know, would have been massive, and oh and so they appreciated the the effort that we put into the game and had a go at them as well. And that wasn't just a case of defend for life. You know, we tried to have a go against them. Any regrets across your career? I was um, I was wondering about um, maybe a call for Graham Potter that you uh, you, you didn't take forward. There's uh, there's a not many you know I, I think I think life's too short for regrets. I'm very much one of the people you you know what happens happens. But um, yeah maybe maybe one or two in the football side of things. You know I, you know as much I've been delighted you know to, you know, say 500 appearances in Scottish football. You know there was always that little bit of me that sometimes fancy trying either down in England or abroad and I've, I've had opportunities but you know for one reason or the other you know I, I've stayed up in Scotland um, as you alluded to you know I, there was a chance to go to Sweden when I'd left Hearts um, it was initially Billy Reid had phoned me because he had just went over with Graham Potter to, that, uh, to Ostersunds who I think they were in the second division in Sweden at the time but they were they were really making a lot of waves obviously a bit of money getting put into them and trying to get into the top division and whatnot and I remember speaking to Billy and going, Oh that sounds like I was speaking to my wife at that point. We only had um Dara, one the the eldest child at that point and um spoke to her about it and she was like, Look, if you want to do it, it's like we can we'll make it work. Um Dara I think was still only about three so she wasn't at school or anything, so it was quite it'd have been an easy enough yeah. transition. We went to Disneyland Paris on holiday, um, and this is obviously I'd just been releasing hearts and things. So I spoke to spoke to Billy, and he was like, well, "I'll get Graham to phone you in the next kind of week um, and see. Well, after you've had a wee think about it and see where you're at." And I was like, "Right, okay." So Graham Potter phones me, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, sounds really good and things." And he said, like, "Right," and I was like, "I've I've spoke to your wife, so you quite fancy it." And I was like, "I'm just in Paris." And I was like, "Right, well, phone me when you get back from Paris." Um, and so we can discuss it more then. I was like, just go and enjoy your holiday. I was like, brilliant, no problem. And then go to Paris, come back, and my wife uh, finds out that we're pregnant with our second um, child, Noah. So um, at that point, I was like, look, it was much. She was still quite, you know, happy for if I wanted to do it, but I think the, the, I made the correct decision and decided to stay at home. Um, you know, it's a lot to take on two young children and maybe not quite being there um, at that time, you know, my, my wife works full time herself and things, so it's um, it was a big ask, so yeah, that's maybe one that's one little regret, but um, not in a bad way, maybe more so now, because obviously done at Chelsea, you always think, well, because I've been ninth choice at Chelsea, earning a fortune, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm sh- I mean, I just like the notion that Chelsea TV are, are chatting with their manager and saying, was there ever a signing that got away from me? And he says, you know, I never tied in Jamie McDonald. I've regretted it since. Well, you never know if he's... Mib- no, nah, I don't know <laughs> if he's looking. Nah, when you do that. <laughs> Let's come to your, uh, your time at Rovers. We mentioned about your um, your stats at the beginning, uh, where you fit in and, and so forth. Um, loads of high points across your time here. Um and they keep coming, um, and uh, over the other side of the South Queen's Ferry crossing the lake to talk about a 5-1 scoreline that's apparently meaningful, um, it's meaningless at this side because it's another 5-1 game that stands out here. Uh, what, was that, that was a game that John McGlynn said, if he could live one game in his life again it would be that one. Um, what was it like for you playing uh, in a night where even beyond the scoreline the football was, was sublime? It was, do you know what, it's... I suppose there's a bit of frustration with it because unfortunately it was during COVID yeah. and we didn't get to share it with the fans. Like I'd, I'd, I'd love to have had a full house um, in that game. Like that, that's the one thing missing from that game that just doesn't quite, you know, it, it doesn't sit well with me. But in terms of performance and things for the boys that night and the football we played was was brilliant, you know. Um, you know, five one against your rivals in any game is, you know, great, but I think the way we did it was even 
more so like you know we we controlled that full game we the the football we played you know if anybody watching that for the outside was just watching a, a game of two teams and you know had seen that they would have thought that was and not knowing who the teams were and what league it was you know they would have probably put that I, honestly I honestly think they'd put that up there as like a you know a, a top top European game because I think the way we played that night was so good we moved the ball so well. Um, the work rate of the boy, just everything, just it just clicked that night, and you, you know you get games like that sometimes, and that was definitely one of them. And um, as I say, I think the only disappointing thing about it was that we couldn't do it in, in front of the fans. Remember after the game, um, when the Dunfermline media representatives kind of shake my hand, saying fair play, and, and I always remember his line says, "You could have really embarrassed us tonight." Yeah, I think I think when we got to kind of the last twenty thirty minutes, you know, we were just, you know, we were just knocking the ball about for fun, you know. It was, as I say, we, the performance that night with, the, with everybody, you know, everybody was just on it that night, and it was just one of the nights where everything clicked. Um, you know, the goals, some of the goals in the game were fantastic as well. Um, I'm sure we Vonny scored, you know, a couple and. Yeah, as Vonny does, and you know, it, it was just a great night um, for everyone involved in the football club. Um, as I say, I think just the disappointing thing again is was just unfortunately during COVID. I've got to um, ask you to tell us a wee bit about another COVID game, um, and it'd be the game that will, you know, if you manage to lodge this as the best Jamie McDonald performance uh, from my head, you're going to put an incredible performance in in the future, and it was a game um, at Tynecastle. It was in the the back of a, a COVID was, outbreak across the squad. Barely had a team to put together. Um, I went back and watched the highlights as as I do occasionally. Uh, I'm still bewildered by some of the saves that you made. It was it was an unbelievable night. Obviously, personally and collectively, um, I think we had and now a 45 minute training session on the was it the Friday? Was it a Saturday? Was that a Saturday game? Saturday game. Was that a Saturday yeah. game? So it was a forty-five minute session on Friday, just to get the boys moving because I think out of about the eighteen boys in the squad or whatever, I think twelve of us had COVID and twelve of us had symptoms. You know, I remember, you know, we obviously had that ten-day whatever it was at the time um, isolation period, and I remember just being at home and like literally sitting out, like the full went through the full family and literally getting up to empty a dishwasher or whatever and being knackered. Um, and then, because I, I think we were all hoping that the game they were going to yeah. rearrange the game. We we're like, oh, surely they're going to rearrange it. Like we've not trained, blah blah blah. We've got twelve boys that have actually had it and had symptoms. It wasn't a case of nobody had symptoms. Like I think most boys were were dead in their feet. And then we obviously haven't got to the Thursday. And like now nah, they're not changing it. And you're like, and it was just unbelievable to be honest. Um, but to go there and then win three two as well was just. It was just unbelievable, and to be fair, again, you, the performance for the first, the, the performance the whole, the whole game, but the first half, we dominated Hearts, and I think anybody, you know, nobody could argue that with that, you know, the way we played that first half, it was great. We gave them, you know, a, the run around that, that first half. I, I don't know if they maybe took us for granted because of the, our situation, maybe we weren't quite switched on ourselves, but we were excellent and. You know, the only thing in that game that kind of <laughs> killed us was probably COVID, and you know, boys were were not even myself. I'd, I'd very rarely cramp because obviously, but I remember about six minutes I had to go kick, and I felt my calf going. You know, I'm asking Blair to come with bottles of fluids and gels and things just to kind of see out the last half hour because your body was just knackered, you were just physically and emotionally tired, and what a result. I remember after the game, um, Neil and I catching up with you for the interview, and it's possibly, I think I'm accurate in saying it's the only time we says to a player, "Do you want to sit down to do the interview?" <laughs> I, I've genuinely never yeah. seen. It. You, you, it's not unusual, um, you know, to see yourselves as, as athletes just put so much into a game that you look drained. But uh, but I've never seen a player look as broken as you did after a game. They're, 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 uh, maybe the joy found you the next day, but yeah, that particular night. I know that was it was one of them. Obviously, there was joy there, believe me. But I think you know everybody in that changing room at the end. It was just out in their feet. You know the work, especially you know as I say, I'm I'm fortunate. I didn't run of it, <laughs> but the, the outfielders that night, you know, every single one of them, you know, the the work rate they put in in that game was was outstanding. You know, the, it's the one thing about the club since I've been here. You know, 
I don't think you could ever fault us for not trying and for not working hard. You know, that's every game I think the boys give their all. You know, it's the quality's maybe not always there. Um, at times and things don't always go for you at times but I think the one thing you can't fault this team um, for my time here is, is the work rate and you know that game definitely um, probably personified that, that season as well you know just the, the amount they put in it and what a massive result as well uh, to go to Tynecastle and win against obviously a, a very good Harps team. Almost kind of coming full circle from your, your debut to your most recent final Queen of the South Challenge Cup final was was not only great to pick up the silverware, but it, it did also have seem to be a bit of a marker of supporters reconnecting with the club after a difficult time, and um, it, there was an outpouring of joy there that that was much needed. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, it's well documented um, the months leading up to it. But um, yeah, it was it was it was it was probably needed at the time. You know, it was just. Um, we all need to get, like, as you say, just reconnect with everybody, um, fans, players, you know, the the full lot. Just we just needed that to kind of draw a line under things and and move on. And um, you know, it was great. And you know, there's, there's not many like people all even ask me. Obviously, they say, "Oh, you won," but that's equally as important. You know, you don't get to cup finals every day, as I say. Said that to you know some of the younger boys that are maybe involved, and it's like you never know hopefully not hopefully it's not their only chance to to play in cup finals and things but the, the reality is that it might be I think obviously apart from us and now who we're, we're going in it for what well the third time um, in a row but I think before that yeah, it's what it was, that was one of the third time the club had won or was it the second time when they won it last well, year was that the third time we'd won the challenge technically third time technically third because of the shit yeah that's what it was so you know that's and it's been going for what a good forty years. We take the not? technical so, one as well. Uh, yeah, of course, of course, course, of course, take everything you get in football. But you know it's it's not easy. There's a lot of clubs who have been in and out the you know the the championship to the league two that have, yeah. have not won it in big clubs in there and they've had a go. Believe me, they've had a go at it and it's not happened for them. So you you take you don't you take every cup final that's going and another one on the horizon as well. And definitely weeks away. Exactly, which is great. And again, it's great for the club. Uh, you know, it's been a well, it's been a great couple of weeks and um, get to the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup um, the Rangers to look forward to and obviously the, the Challenge Cup final to look forward to again um, and you know hopefully it can as well it can drive us to, to aim for these playoffs as well Brilliant I, I was trying to think is just some of the little things that I see around about the club in terms of asking questions you know there's the obvious ones about this match that this match but been in and around the place and we do wee bits and bobs together. I was trying to think what white supporters like to hear about, what, what could we share about Jamie that, that they might not have seen. I was thinking of um, a couple of things that we've done together that just genuinely were, were just such a thrill for us. Um, one of them that stands out for myself, I just thought, thought captured how kind of easy going you were and your sense of fun. We're delivering hampers at Christmas time, we're going round the houses, guy opens the door, puts his, his walking frame to one side, Cast his eye over you and says, "Is that Jamie McDonald that played for the Hearts?" And then immediately tells he's a Hibs fan. Your your reply um, without missing a beat was, "Come on, mate, are we? And you're going to end up rolling about in the grass here." <laughs> and I just loved it because it's that bit about the connection between how do you how how do you balance life outside of the that big patch of grass out there? Is that humour done you well? Yeah, I think you need to have it. You know, as I say, you can take life too seriously sometimes, um, especially in football. You know, you can you can really take it too seriously sometimes. You know, I think you can get caught up in the emotion of it all. You know, it's a very emotional thing, football, um, between the fans and things, and you know, players. You know, I get emotional myself. You know, I, I get uh, in a game. I, I do. I, I'll shout and I'll moan and. You know, I'll, I'll go into the changing room and I'll. At times, I'm very calm and I'll not say anything. There's other times I'll, I'll shout at people and you know shout at myself. Yeah. And it is that uh, you go through the the ringer with football. But yeah, I've always tried to have that bit of humour. Um, maybe a bit dry sometimes, but I I do try and have it. You know, yeah. As I say, it goes back to just trying to enjoy it for what it is and and you know just being just being appreciative for what you do you know I'm, as I say I'm very fortunate that I've, I've managed to have a football career for for 20 years now um, since I've left school at 16 and you know I'm, I'm, I know I'm lucky and I know there'd be you know thousands of other people would love to be in my situation 
um, and do what I do. So I'm, I'm always very wary of that. And as I say, I, I, I appreciate that. And but then also try to have fun with it as well. Because as I say, I think you can you can take it too serious sometimes, and 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 then you you stop enjoying it as much. You know, I share exactly what you're saying there, but for the other side of the camera, I know I'm lucky and I know I'm in a privileged position. I know it's hard work at times and you're giving up, obviously, Wraith TVs on a voluntary basis, but there are little moments where um, I get I get brought down to earth and, and say, you know, you can do great things here. We had a lovely wee example where we had the two wee girls, homemade signs, can I have your left glove, can I have your right glove? And, you know, the social media folks, we picked it up and, and, and had a wee word, be, no bother, we'll get that sorted. So you were in, in much warm-up mode, so, you know, you were busy. So I ran around with the gloves and you just happened to look round and when I seen the level of excitement of these wee girls who were jumping up and down, hugely thrilled, it just brings you down to earth and you think, this is what football's about. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's something I try to do. Uh, sometimes I think I made a, make a rod from one back because <laughs> of the amount of requests I get for my gloves. <laughs> but it's nice, you know, that's what you want. You want the kids coming in. That's, you know, that's the future of the football club as well. You, it's not just about you, you know, they're all involved in it as well, you're all in it together and it's, you know, it's uh, you try and give as much back as you can, or at least I, I, I try to give as much back as you can, you know, it's obviously, it's difficult if there's only so much you can do, but just small things like that, just to, you know, pique an interest or whatever, keep them coming back as well and, you know, as I say, you, you forget, you just think, like, you just go about normally and you think, you don't realise how much people look up to you at times. Um, you do forget that because you, you get wrapped up in your own stuff but you know you see these the kids that come and things and you, you know they look up to you so it's, I think it's important to be you know a good role model and and you know make sure you you acknowledge them as well my question is what's next um, for yourself um, in terms of ambitions but I'm going to throw a wee a couple of details in there just to get you thinking um, Hamish McAlpine played for us when he was 40 and uh, I've sat in that commentary booth when Tony Bullock pulled up injured and Bobby Geddes came off the bench aged 49. Oof, that's maybe a push 49. So um, <laughs> what's next for Jamie McDonald? I just want to play for as long as I possibly can. As long as I'm feeling good, which I am right now. Um, and as long as someone's willing to have me, uh, you know, that's the other thing. You, sometimes it can get taken out of your own hands. But right now I feel good. I feel I can still perform at a good level. Um, and I just want to play as long as I can. Um, you know, I, I've hit 500. Why not go for 600? You know, I think that's the way I've always looked at things. Um, never looked too far ahead, but also never obviously looked like I'm going to give up. I, I always want to keep going. As, as and as long as I feel fit and able, then you know I want to play football. As I say, I'm very privileged, and and then, you know it's something I love. Do you have a handle on um, how popular you are with Wraith Rover supporters? We, the, the classic away day trip or sitting in the pub question is pick you the best 11 you've seen and your name's thrown in there with Murray McDermott, Davy McGurn, Scott Thompson, Gordon Arthur. That, are you aware of that? No, not at all. I'm, I'm, I'm not a big in social media or that either. So, like, I, I, I kind of... Social media is a gift and a curse, I think, at times. You know, there's a lot of great things social media brings, but it's also... Yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff in it yeah, and I, I just rather have to, I don't want to get too high I've always been like never get too high never get too low just try and stay in the straight and narrow and the middle ground and um, so yeah I, 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 I don't know that and it's it's nice to hear you know that's um, you know there's a lot of things you as I say I, I don't really I, I kind of keep myself to myself a little bit out with um, football but yeah it's it's always like it's always nice to to hear things like that. Okay. Final question, and it's probably the best question I've got because it's not mine. <laughs> One of the things that we've, we've been doing over the last kind of eight, 18 months, season and a half, is that the mascots come out, they get to warm up and stuff, but they now got a wee tour of Bray TV, we get them the headsets on, they get commentating a goal, all this sort of stuff. We, we get a kick out of it as well. Always ask the, the kids, who's your favourite player? What's this? What's that? So ask one wee kid, he's about five, who's your favourite player? Jamie McDonald. And I says, why is that? And his answer stuck with me because he says, in a brilliant Kirkcaldy accent, he says, because you can, because he can do the Scorpio kick. <laughs> and, and I said to him, Scorpio kick? Uh, and then I figured out, I think that's like a scorpion kick, but yeah. better. <laughs> so my question for this wee five-year-old is, when are we going to see that during the game? 
maybe when it's my very last game, there's <laughs> no chance I'll have the bottle to do that in a game. I don't think. Um, obviously, I've done it. Was it? Was it this year? Actually, was it this season? Yeah. Got it on the social media. I think it was it? this season, wasn't it? We'll put that up uh, alongside um, the game show. Uh, you know, it's something that used to always be my party trick at the end of training with boys. If it, as long as the ball's right, I used yeah. to have always done it. And that's the first time I've done it in years. And it was just <laughs> the ball was perfect. I thought, I'm, I'm doing this. Obviously, as you get older as well, you lose your flexibility a wee bit. So I was a wee bit worried for myself. But um, yeah, I nailed it that day. And obviously, the fact that we had the camera. Um, at training as well, it kind of blew up a little bit, but um, yeah, I wouldn't expect me to do it in a game just yet. Maybe when I'm, maybe when it's time to hang up the gloves, then maybe I'll have the balls to to maybe try it in a game. But I I I can't see it. Brilliant, Jamie. It's always a pleasure to um, to spend time with you. It's, it's even more of a pleasure to watch you playing for my club, our club. Thank you. Um, it's great to see you with the badge in your your chest, and I hope we see it for a long time to come. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Cheers, mate. Thank you.